Nothing brings people together like La Ventanita, the walk-up windows where Miami meets to drink Cuban coffee and swap stories. I'm Carlos Frias, the Miami Herald food editor. At La Ventanita, we'll talk with some of the world's best chefs to get a window into their lives while sharing some strong Cuban coffee and traditional Cuban snacks, pastelitos and croquetas. I snuck by somehow being a good girl, but I always pretended to be bad. Michelle Bernstein can laugh about it now, but there was a time when she was the only young woman in a kitchen full of men in Miami, and it was not so easy to laugh. She would go on to become one of the first women on the Food Network and on the American version of the hit TV show Iron Chef. She would also go on to win a James Beard Award as the best chef in the South. Before then, she was a 90-pound former ballerina from Miami, trying to find her way in a rough-edged business decades before the Me Too movement. We sat down to talk at the nationally recognized bar she owns on Miami Beach, Sweet Liberty, to chat over Cuban coffee and snacks. First of all, thanks for doing this. <laughs> Thank you, Carlito. These are super fun, and you know, I told... Uh, you so probably don't see. get a lot of kisses on this. No, Jose Andres tried. <laughs> Did but he? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he would. He would. I wonder if Thomas Keller is going to try to kiss me. I don't Definitely think so. Definitely not. No, um, he wouldn't try to kiss either one of us. No, because you're a Miami girl. Of course. So you know how we do it. Yeah. You got to do the kiss, and you got to do la cajita. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, like, I, you know, I was like, you can't show up any hand to handed to someone's home, so you got to bring la cajita. This yeah. little box of goodness, you know? And this little... Uh, yeah, which is right now it's tempted, but I hope it's warm I don't enough. care. It's coffee. And, and then I just, brought, I just brought straight jet fuel, awesome. just in case. Awesome. But um, I, I, I like that we're doing it here because this is a place that's really close to your heart, too. Of course Liberty. it is. Yeah. It's close to my heart. A lot of people don't even know I'm involved, which is kind of on purpose. Yeah. Uh, although I shouldn't be saying that <laughs> now, but um, it was made that way. So Sweet Liberty, um, my husband and I are both partners here, although mm -hmm. this is really my husband's thing. He joined a few of his friends, one, the late John LaMare, mm -hmm. who is so important to all of us, anybody that loves a cocktail and hospitality, no matter where you are in the world, love John LaMare. People don't know that before that wave of like the mid-2000s, you could only basically get a Cosmo, a beer, or hard liquor in Miami. That's right. And he was the one that really helped bring this idea of, I, I think, yeah, cocktail, the craft cocktail. Yeah. yeah, where like the the bar looks like a it looks like a kitchen in the sense right. that you have all these ingredients. But he wasn't a tweezer kind of a guy. Mm. Let's get this straight. Mm. You know, he was still, a, you know, a very kind of a Upper East Coast guy. You know, he was a man's man. He loved hockey. And he loved good cocktails. And he could go behind any bar, make un desmadre, you know, right. but make the best cocktail you've ever tasted. Right. Um, and he was also great at holding conversations and holding your eye. Mm. Um, just a great all-around guy, man. He's, he's, he was too good for all of us to still be here, I think. Well, let's drink to him. Right? Salud. 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 So I'm gonna I'm gonna pour out a little. Do you want you want the straight stuff or are you gonna take that cafe I'll take a combo. <laughs> yeah. Look, they they were nice enough to pinch it, so they got it. They understand what's going on. I know on. that I shouldn't say this on there, but you know what I used to call that? What's that? My cocaine. Oh yeah. In the '80s, when everybody was doing lines, I was doing coffee instead because <laughs> I was too good of a girl to do coke. So I would go and do a shot of colada, oh. and to me, it was kind of the same effect. It would yeah. keep me up. It would make me skinny, and I was very happy. Well, you know what's funny is, I, uh, Salud. cheers. Salud. I love that uh, you were telling the story a little bit earlier about how you did not start off as a chef, that you were a dancer at heart. I, not at heart, mm. on my feet. 
on your feet. I was a dancer. I started it, um, I think they let me into the studio when I was about three and a half or four. And um, I didn't stop. Uh, all through high school, I would actually bring a bag of my toe shoes, my leg warmers, all the things that you know the dancers used through school because somebody was always picking me up right on time or a few minutes early to go straight to dance. And the teachers knew, everybody knew, Mishi was going to be a dancer. That's that's really all I cared about. But when you say dancer, you know, like that, it sounds like this ballet thing. But it I, was ballet. Yeah, it was yes. Ba- but tell me about your first day of school. <laughs> oh, first day of high school when you switched you, from your fancy you're really private gonna school. You're going to make me talk yes, about this. Yes, I love that story. All right. So I'm in North Miami. North Miami high, high School. Yeah. North Miami Senior High. And um, it was my first year of public school, and my mother was concerned because it was so big, and I was so shy. And my first day, she came to get me, as she always came to get me, and, she, you know, our arrangement was I was going to be out on the corner. And Miami Shores, where, where you were living, was kind of very, very white, very white and suburban looking in this little pocket. And uh, North Miami was, was much more too, diverse. Like, it was like, perfect. Right. And you could walk around barefoot. And North <laughs> Miami was much more diverse. Yeah. Um, there was actually, like, Burger King and McDonald's that they would go <laughs> to for lunch, which I was excited about at the time. Anyway... So, um, yeah, much more culturally diverse, which is what I asked my parents for. Like, I can't go through high school, you know, not meeting people that are just normal people, real people like we were, you know. Anyway, so, yeah, um, mom couldn't find me when she came to pick me up. She started to freak out. So she started to ask people, have you seen my daughter? You know, little Jewish girl, curly hair, (laughs) can't miss her. Um, And... So she starts running around trying to find me, and all of a sudden she hears this loud music, and she sees a crowd, and she sees um, like a circle. And she goes up because she thinks that there's a fight going on or something happening, and she peeks in, and she sees her daughter breakdance. I'm breakdancing <laughs> in the middle. I was much better than that. And I was like seriously breakdancing. I mean, I was spinning on my back. I was doing it all. I'd never Dude. done it before, but I was a dancer, so I could pretty much jump into any situation. And the music always speaks to me, no matter what that music is. Still today, any genre, and I'm, as long as I like it, I'm out there. Right. Yeah. Little known fact, Michelle Bernstein is in a rap video. I'll let you fill in the space while I drink this coffee. (laughs) So you're not allowed to know. (laughs) And I'm not going to tell you, although there are people out there that do know which ones they are. One was kind of more on the, I don't even know what that music was called. It was very poppy. So one very pop and, and a couple of rap videos um, of some early work <laughs> that luckily never made it onto MTV. <laughs> internet, go get it. Nobody go find it, Internet. My, my culito now culo. Um, culona. Uh, nobody wants to see that now. But, oh yeah, I mean, I really, I, I did every genre of dance, too. I mean, you know, when you're a dancer, you have to do that kind of like now, now being a chef slash cook, I kind of have to be able to jump into anything. Right. Which I love. I love being a writer. I love being on TV and, and, you know, do cooking for, like, the home. I love to cook in restaurants, bars, whatever it might be. It's so great to be able to touch all these different aspects of food. Like, I used to touch all the different aspects of dance. It's kind of neat. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, let's dig into some food because I don't know about you, but I haven't had breakfast. Neither have I. I mean, it's like 10.30 in the morning and we're in a bar (laughs) and we don't have any food. What is it called? Eminent fasting? I think I actually do that naturally. Oh, my God. Yeah. Look, they, they're yeah. so nice here. Oh, they, they separate them. Yes, well, they gave them because I asked for them. Uh, this know, is this I is don't a eat other people's croquetas. Really? Ever. Why? Um, 
I grew up not liking croquetas. So I never understood why people like croquetas because okay. to me all it tasted like was that canned deviled ham. Okay, yeah. It was never crunchy enough on the outside. Right. And it never had the creamy quality. And then to put it between slices of bread, oh my God, it's like double starch. <laughs> no, man. So I went to Spain one day when I was um, on vacation with David, the, what, back when you could vacation. I don't vacation right, anymore, right. really. It's all about work. Um, and I tried the croqueta. The, the, the quintessential croqueta. Croqueta up on uh, a, That's it. And it spoke to me, and I never knew. I never knew what I had been missing all these years. Wow. Yeah, because that's a whole different thing. That's the, that's the mother croqueta. That was the mama croqueta. Yeah. And that, I never even went back into the kitchen to find out how they did it. I just decided right then and there, right. this is going to be my shtick. <laughs> nice Jewish word, right? right. This is going to be what I'm going to learn, and I'm going to master this. Right. So I never have croquetas in Miami. Really? I'm excited to try this croqueta All right. to see how they did. Well, these guys are, it's a really well-known baker in Miami, El Brazo Fuerte. It's been right. there forever. I'm, uh, maybe, oh, I maybe know you've come well. across Yeah, them. yeah, yeah, of course. They, their big thing is their pastelitos, you know, they, the way that they make them. Want to share a croqueta? Yeah, let's share one. Let's share one because I'm not going to. I'm going to take this. Yeah. See, a lot of ham, Yeah. right? Yeah. Which is what everybody wants. Yeah, it's just pure ham. Yeah. I mean, that's how the Cubans want it. I know. Really, they cater to the Cubans. It's delicious. Maybe I do mm. like croquetas. <laughs> <laughs> You haven't met the right croqueta. <laughs> Let me show you the right croqueta. But right out of the fryer. Oh, that's oh the best. God. See, these are like the thing that I like about croquetas is, again, if you grow up with them and you can eat them cold, but right out of the fryer where they're crispy on the there's outside. There's nothing like that. No, there's nothing like that. So when I started making croquetas at Michi's, mm -hmm. people were coming like I've never seen people arrive before. And they would ask me, Okay, I'm having a party. Can you make me 70 croquetas? And I say, no. I'm making them literally, I'm rolling them by hand every morning. Right. I don't know how. Right. You're just I don't know how to make them that quick. Two at a time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Seriously. And they 70. Were, but they were molten croquetas. I mean, they were like. Oh, right, because. The, when they the, came out of the fryer, they literally would explode in your mouth. I would tell people, be careful, because right. they literally pop. Right. And it's, it's a molten explosion of like lava. Let's try the picadillo one. I love that sweet, salty thing. You know what? Me too. And I think people just generally go for the guava, but I, I like know. the meat. Which gringos love. Americans love the guava because they've never had it before. Mm -hmm. And I do love guava, but this to me is heaven. Right. The salt, sweet. Ah, I wish my whole life could be like this. And the thing is, that this is like, um, if you're going to say that these are kind of Cuban style, Cubans do that where they like, the, they like having the banana with, the, with their food That's and they have right. like a bite of banana That's and a right. bite of the food. That's you know? how I grew up. Mm -hmm. Honestly, my mother would go to this little supermarket called El Eden. Hmm. You don't remember that, do you? I don't. Across from Miami Country Day. Okay. And it was a store, but it had, you know, um, the little cafeteria bar. I, she would sit me at the counter, order me a panko mi steak with a batido de banana. Oh, my God. And I would sit and eat my steak sandwich. This was like twice a week. Have my batido. And she'd go shopping. It was perfect. I wish they had it today. I would do it with my son. Right. Your mom is Jewish, Argentine. Mommy was Jewish, Argentine. And your yeah. dad was Jewish but raised in Minnesota. Minnesota. What was eating and food for you like at home, like with your mom? So dad? my mother was an amazing, amazing cook. She would send me to school with lunch boxes filled with Cornish came hen with tangerine sauce, <laughs> filled with <laughs> rice and chorizo, and her homemade soups with white bean and oh lettuces. God. 
and um, arroz con pollo in like a little vat. I don't know how she had the time because she worked. That's amazing. I don't know how it ever happened. And then when it came to dinner, I mean, the woman would put out like six dishes of food. There were always fresh vegetables and a mixed salad and, you know, the staple, whatever it might be, roast beef one night or lo que sea, empanadas frescas, whatever it was. Wow. It was just, it, every day was different. When we didn't have a lot of money, it was chicken six nights a week because chicken was super cheap back then. And then when daddy was doing a little better, we'd have a little red meat at the table or fish. Right. Nobody oh, yeah. made anything like her. Wow. And it, that's the, the emotional tug that she's not here is because that woman had these hands. I swear to God, I would always smell and kiss her hands because her hands were delicious. Oh, my God. It makes me so emotional to think about it. But everything that woman touched was delicious. Everything, man. I mean, even, oh, man, you know, awesome. a bolognese was like, Jesus, how did she get so much flavor? I would wake up in the morning to the smell of her cooking. Wow. And what a delicious way to wake oh, up. Oh, my God. What's interesting is I was always dancing or at school. Or out with my friends, you know, climbing trees in Miami Shores. So I didn't really cook that much with her, but I guess somehow you absorb it, right? Yeah. Like you absorb any culture. Um, yeah, I wasn't really by her side always cooking, but just like she kind of learned on her own because she didn't learn through her mother because they didn't cook in Argentina. In Argentina, you know, everybody has... Servants, Yeah. Not yeah. in a bad way. It's, it's just, just a part, you know, of it's part of the culture. It's yeah. a domestic, mm -hmm. you know, and that's just, she wasn't allowed in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that I wasn't allowed. I was always around her and I would be the last one sitting at the dinner table when everybody was cleaning up because I would be like slurping on the vinaigrettes or whatever it was, but I would watch her. But it was, it was an absorption that was just an organic, natural absorption. It wasn't like, teach me how to make this. Mm. When I was 10, she would leave me a note and say, hey, if you don't mind, start the osobuco for tonight. <laughs> You're like, seriously? Uh, no, okay. Yeah, what no, really? she would tell me kind of what to do without, you know, measurements. Mm -hmm. And I would just know. It was crazy. That's amazing. You just knew. By osmosis. But I think, I think watching it, maybe. watching it happen. But so you, you danced and then you got to, you, you left to study dance. But you I had, did. You had, an, you had an injury? I had an injury. Um, I tore ligaments in my ankle. But I had another il illness. It was called homesickness. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was only 17 when I left, and I was so close. And to be 17 living in New York, kind of on your own. I mean, I had a girlfriend there, and um, I knew the lady that owned the apartment who would come in and, you know, check on us every once in a while. Mm. But I was a kid. But I, as a young Jewish girl from Miami, was, I guess I wasn't ready. Yeah. So I had terrible homesickness. And as bad as my ankle was hurt, I think my soul was hurting more. I, I never really told anybody that. I don't know why I'm telling you this now, but that's really, because I think, what happened. that's the power of croqueta. <laughs> I just extracted. So then, what, how did that lead into then cooking? How did you get into So I studied, I went to college. Um, I studied biochemistry and nutrition were my, I know, Perfect. right? Perfect. Wow, I'm doing really yeah. well right now. <laughs> great. But I feel like I went into it because I, unbeknownst to me, I wanted to somehow be closer to food. But at the same time, I was this dancer. I had a dancer's body. I was 90 pounds. I wanted, I guess, to <clears throat> maintain a healthfulness about myself, yet be somewhere in some way, whether it was chemical or not, around food. Right. But I didn't know it yet. Mm. So after studying, I moved to Atlanta. I followed boys. I did this and that. 
Um, I got my degree. I came back, and you know, every conversation's in the kitchen table. I don't, whether you're Jewish or Latin, I don't know. It was both for us. So we'd sit down. Okay, now what, Mama? And I'd say, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. She said, well, you're going to go intern at a hospital, right? That's what you have to do to be a dietitian. I was like, there's no way I'm working in a hospital unless it's a cafeteria. And she laughs, and, and we're baking together in the kitchen. And she said, well, you know, there's this cooking school. I don't know the name of it, but I know they're opening a cooking school like a mile away. Why don't you walk in and see what happens? Wow. One day, maybe you can write a book or be on television. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, but your mom, think about it. Your mom is already thinking, you're not going to work at a re- in some kitchen. Oh, you're no, you're no, going no, to no, be on no, television no. and write a book. No. Girls like me weren't supposed to be chefs. We didn't know that I could be a chef yet, mm. right? It still was this big bubble, a very pretty bubble of, you know, um, being put in front of a television or whatever it might have been. But it was definitely still not in the role of a chef. Because we didn't know that girls like me could be chefs. It wasn't even the realm of possibilities yet. So I went to cooking school, Johnson & Wales, and I'll never forget, first day, I walk in and, I don't know, I met a couple other girls and we kind of just got along the first day and we went through and the Herald was there, Miami Herald. And they said, hey, can we take a picture of y'all? You're actually the first three students to walk into the school. Oh my God. So I still you have the, the picture. First, you were in the first class of Johnson & Wales. I was in the Wales. first class. Wow. And I still have the picture. I was this skinny little thing, not knowing what the heck I was doing. Mm-hmm. But I had butterflies like I hadn't had since I was a dancer. And I knew something was right. So I realized I was actually the worst person in the class. Because when Johnson Wells opened, it was mainly, you know, guys that were in um, kitchens, professional kitchens, who were going to school because they realized they needed some kind of a diploma, right, to, to further their education and to further their profession. Sure. And so they would all say, Bernstein, what are you doing here? You know you're never going to be a chef. Don't worry. I'm not here to be a chef. I'm just here to hone some skills, right? But I was the worst in the class. Didn't know how to chop. Didn't know how to do all the stuff. I had great palate because of my mom and because I like to travel. But I had no idea what I was doing in a professional kitchen. Like, nada. I sucked. I mean, I oh was God. bad. I was really bad. They would make fun of me. I would cut myself every day. I had cuts and burns and bruises. I mean, it was horrible. But I didn't like that they made fun of me, and I didn't like that I sucked. I still had my ballet background. Competitive. Horrible. Dude, horrible. So I was like, oh, yeah, okay. We'll see about this. So I joined Stephen Reichland. Do you know who that is? Sure, sure. The, he's the, he's the, the grill guru, guy. the barbecue guy. If you've ever seen a grill book, it's probably this guy <laughs> yeah. who's on it. Uh, it's the Barbecue Bible was his most famous. So before his barbecue entity, he was just Stephen Reichlin, a great chef in Boston who came to Miami. To, he found love and he moved here and he started to write cookbooks. And I, the first cookbook that I helped test recipes was high flavor, low fat. And the second was about Miami and Cuban cuisine in Miami. And I gave him my recipe for empanadas from my mother, and it turned out it was in his book, but I was his assistant. I was his recipe tester. I would clean the floor. I would make sure the kitchen was clean. I would do what I had to do with him to learn. But I wasn't honing enough. So he's like, well, why don't you go work at you know, a restaurant or something while you're doing this? So I had two jobs. Hmm. I worked at a place called Janjo's. Okay which was in Coconut Grove, thank goodness. Um, It was a great restaurant back then. It was where the Village Inn used to be. So go to work at Janjo's and then be in rap videos later at night. Stop it. And work for Steven and go to school. 
So I had wow. two jobs, and I was going to school seven to three. So I was really progressing rather quickly, as you can imagine. More coffee? Yeah, thanks. So as I'm progressing uh, and getting better, I'm going through school rather quickly because I already have a degree. In fact, I kind of had two already. Mm. So school only took a year, and I ended up at Mark's Place. Mark's Place at the time was the best restaurant South Florida had ever seen. It was on 123rd before the bridge to Bell Harbor. Okay. And um, in Keystone. <clears throat> anyway, so I was working there. I was a prep cook at first, and then That's I moved not Mark up. Mark Militello's place, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was at Mark Militello, obviously one of the original Mango Gang guys. Even That's though- right. So I was under him. So I worked there for like four and a half, almost five years. Mm. And, you know, kind of slowly going up the totem pole. And once a week, man, the guys would push me around. It was all boys. The only girls worked next door in pastry and making pasta. I loved them. It was Hetty Goldsmith. Oh, my God. Yeah. I know. Yeah, she's nominated for James Beard Award. And Sarah Mare, who moved to um, the islands, who is an amazing chef and became one of Ortonique's chef de cuisine for Cindy Hudson. Anyway, so they were next door. So I didn't even have them next to me. And all it was was boys. And once a week it was, Bernstein, what's up? What are you going to do? You know you're not going to be a chef. You're too much of a little princess. And you're too much of a lightweight. A year later, when they realized that I'm starting to get a little bit better, but I took my time, the chef, the cuisine would come to me and say, you know, the only way they're going to respect you is if you go to the gym. You need to start putting on a little bit of weight and getting stronger. Mm. It was the only way. so funny. I know. It's like if you aesthetically looked stronger, they would actually respect you. Anyway, three years in, they're still pushing and pushing and messing with me. I want to say the F word, but they're messing with me. And they're like, so what's it going to be, Bernstein? We can bleep it. You can use the F. That's fine. What's it going to be? My mother would never let me. (laughs) What's it going to be, Bernstein? And finally I said, you know what? I'm sick of this shit. I'm going to be a chef. If you want, there's a possibility you could wash my dishes because I'm going to kick your butts and I'm going to be better than all of you and I'm going to work harder than all of you <clears throat> and I'm proud of what I do because I chose this profession, unlike all of you. Right. And they really treated me poorly. I'm making fun, but it was yeah. bad. Just- I can't even begin to tell you what would happen when I would tie my shoes. Oh, wow. Yeah, things are bad. Anyway, so I kind of showed them all. Yeah, you sure did. I moved did. on and they doubted me, but my mother didn't. And there was always somebody in there, you know. There was always, like, a woman, like a host or a waiter, somebody cheering me on. And Mark was great, you know. He just wasn't very social about it. But I think he kind of drew my path as well. Right. And Doug Reese, who was the chef of the cuisine, he didn't see me as a woman. And I loved that. Right. I never wanted to be seen as a woman. I never said, I want to be a great woman chef. It would actually piss me off when people would say that to me. Hmm. Because we just want to be equal. Right. And we want to be regarded equally, you know? Cheers. Salud. Um, so we try one of these other pastelitos. So, like, the guava. We get, I feel like we got to try the guava. Get in there, bro. All right. Let's see. You want, to, you want me to tear one of these yep. half? Or you gonna... All right. So. I like to nibble. Yeah. Right. Gonna... Oh, this is better. really nice and flaky. Oh, this is pretty. I they really do hand. nice pastries, huh? I don't they care. They do. They do. Dirtier tastes better. <laughs> Do you ever notice that, like, friars that have been the same friars for, like, 100 years always make better food? Mm. It's like a patina. Mm. Of course. <laughs> layers and layers of flavor that you could never get on a new fryer. Sometimes I go into places and I get sad when I see new pieces of equipment. Because I know it's not going to taste the same, you know? Right. And you got to buy old equipment. No, it has to be yours. 
Oh, you have right. to make it that way. Oh my God. You have yeah. to season it yourself. Right, right. It's like a cast iron pan. You're in charge of seasoning your cast iron pan. Oh, that's so true. And all of those layers of flavor are your flavor, not somebody else's. Right. I'm curious about that because you, you create your own flavors. So what is it like to like cook for your mom, for instance, or people that have known you for, forever? So that's an interesting one, it was cooking for mama. So back in the day, the first chef job I ever had, I don't know if you even knew this, was Redfish Grill. So I was, um, I was the chef of Redfish Grill for a full year and a half. Which, if you don't know where Fish Grill is, it's, uh, it's kind Mathis of on the... Matheson Hammock Park. Yeah, which is this kind of a public, public park. It is definitely a public park. Yeah. During the day, you sell hot dogs, and at night, you sell seafood. Yeah. And, and it, and it comes Walker's in right off, the, it comes in right off the boat. It's like you'll get the hog, hogfish still with the spear still yeah. in them. Like, they're Delicious. that fresh. Delicious. Yeah. So my dream was actually to go back and buy the lease. I know it probably won't happen. They would never give it up. But that's my dream, is to go and take that place over Well, if anybody, if they, would, if they should give it to anybody, they should definitely give it to a Miami girl. I know, right? Yeah. Anyway, so I was at Redfish, and I'm just creating the menu. And I would invite my mother to come for dinner with Dad. My mother would walk in a room, and everybody would get scared. Why? Because as beautiful and sweet as she was, she was tough. Hmm really tough and she was intimidating mm. as my husband david always says she would intimidate the pants off of anybody <laughs> so she'd walk in the room and was like oh my god your mom's here uh what do we do anyway i was working on my first dish that i created on my own which was a caribbean bouillabaisse and it was my first creation right so she'd come sit i'd give it to her not yet mama you can't put this on the, on the menu yet oh my god and then she'd come back in a week later and the same and finally, after four tries, she had a tear in her eye, which, again, makes me emotional. It's not bringing up my mother. Um, if you ever want me to be straight-faced, I can't talk about mom. But anyway, um, she loved it. And I wow. made a sofrito, and I pureed it. And um, I made the best fish-slash-shellfish stock of my life. And I combined the puree of the sofrito, even with bacon, but I pulled the bacon out. I had that smoky flavor. And I combined it with the shellfish shock giving it a more you know not just sazon but also a bit of texture sure and then i would get you know beautiful shellfish and saute everything and add this infusion and i finish it with a little bit of coconut milk hmm. and finally she's like you got this that's amazing yeah you want to try the cheese one all right all right let's try the cheese one you're gonna make me heavy sitting here you know <laughs> We're gonna dig our way through. This is like, listen, this is the good part right here. Not bad. Sweet, cream cheese. Yeah. yeah. A little monochromatic. Yeah, I think so too. I think after you have the beef one, right, where you have it, everything goes down. Everything goes down. Oh no, I like the, I like the, the. The guayaba. The guayaba pastelito. Yeah. I usually, am a, I usually am a fan of the of the cheese one, but um, I think they ruined your palate for yeah, it. I think so. I think maybe started with the cheese. <laughs> We should have gone up instead of down. Is there a food that you don't like? Is there a food that you just... I mean, you obviously, you, you'll me, eat anything, but is there something that you come across and say, you know what, none of that I don't me? like when tomatoes are cut in quarters. When they're doing? When they're doing what? <laughs> if you cut a tomato in quarters, I won't eat it. It's too much peel to innard. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we all have our little weird quirks, right? And that's 
One That's of them. Yours. I don't like mountain potato, Japanese mountain potato. Do you even know what that is? No, I don't know what no. that is. No, you grate it and it, it's like this mucus looking oh, stuff that, that they stuff. use in Japanese cooking. Um, that doesn't sound I great. I want that. I think that might be it. Uh, did you like eating like uh, organ Argentine, meat when you were a kid? When you were a kid? Yeah. Yeah. Eating morcilla. Uh, I ate a morcilla. I made morcilla last night. Uh, are you kidding? I made a parrillada yesterday. Oh yeah. my god. So I've been having morcillas. Mom would grill them, but then. Um, I'm good now. Thank you. I would go and to the restaurants and I poach them and then either grill or saute them. So I combined what mom taught me with the flavor of the grill and, you know, the chimney and all that. And then I turned it into like this Latin French thing where I would poach in milk and they would get puffy and you press and you clean and then a la parrilla style. And then you'd have more of a creaminess on the inside. Brain was something that I would try, but I never loved. Right. Um, chinchulines. What is a chinchulín? The stomach, uh, intestines. Oh, okay. The intestines. Like, like a chitlin. Like a chitlin, mm-hmm. yeah. Not no, my favorite. Not the best. But everything else, yeah, I love kidneys. But I didn't have them until I was working for Jean-Louis in okay. um, Washington, D.C., Jean-Louis Paladin, French chef. ¿Qué más? Morcilla. My dad is a huge, is a huge, like when I order, like I'll order a, a whole pig. Parisha. To do, oh, a pig. Yeah, like I'll order a whole pig and he's like, make sure they give you all the, oh, the kidneys and stuff. And he'll just cook it separately on a, oh, sure. on a skillet. Of course, he just it's likes delicious. It. He just likes what like kills that. me is that they don't give you the blood and the blood is my favorite part. Mm. You can make all kinds of stuff with blood. That's true. I'm not going to get into it because it might gross some people out. Uh, but blood is a really no, great ingredient. No, give me ingredient. one thing. Give me one thing that you like that you think is awesome that you make with blood. Well, morcilla is. Yeah, but one, you but can also like thicken stews and soups with blood. It actually gives it really good flavor and it can thicken things. Although I would never use that in a restaurant because it would gross people out unless I talked about it. But there's many parts to a pig and a cow that are absolutely fabulous that a lot of people don't talk about. Well, you, you competed in this thing called the Cochon oh, event. God. Yeah. And the first year, right? The first but year. And you won it. because Because you, you are, the, whole, the whole contest is using every part of the pig. So I had um, an intoxication the night before. I was cooking so many different parts of the pig, and I think it's because I'm Jewish, I swear. And I got in intoxication of pork oh. the night before, the day before um, the Cochon. And I passed out on the floor, I woke up with IV, and it was like six in the morning, the day of the competition. Oh my God. I'm like, what day is it, what's happening? And my husband's like, you just, you have to chill out. Everybody's got it, don't worry about no it. No more like, pork for you. Uh-uh, <laughs> and I ripped everything out, and I ran, and I got back into the kitchen at Crumb on parchment, uh-huh. and we finished making the pig. I made my, I made a ceviche out of pig, too. Oh my God, oh my God. I cooked it a little, don't worry, in sous vide. Anyway. We worked for four days with no sleep, and I think just eating a little too much pork had me in. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Because you're, you're Jewish background, but you didn't grow up kosher, or did no, you grow up religious grow, at all? No. My daddy grew up kosher, and then he um, was stationed in on the Mississippi, and I think he ate fried chicken, and that was it for him. <laughs> and he um, was just like, okay, I'm done with being done. kosher. Yeah, pretty much. Right. And, nobody uh, told me about fried chicken. <laughs> nobody told me what I was missing. So, yeah, so, no, I did not grow up. He basically talked about pizza and fried chicken as being, like, the was two it. kind of coming to, I can't say God, can I? <laughs> right. Anyway, coming the food to gods. food God moment. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and then my mom came in the picture, and the way she cooked was just... He was like, this is my religion right here. That was it. <laughs> Whatever's coming out of the kitchen is my religion. Gnocchi at the end of the month with the dollar underneath the plate, you know. How was that? Did you not know No, that I don't one? know that. How's that, how's that go? 
So on the 29th, you make fresh gnocchi. Obviously, you're going to make fresh gnocchi at home as an Argentine person. And mom, her famous way was always um, lemon zest and a little cream and parmesan. That was it. It was so beautiful. And you put a dollar under your plate, and it's supposed to bring you fortune. For the, for the coming month. For whenever. For whenever. It never worked. Oh. <laughs> but we had gnocchi to look forward to, and that oh was God. all that matters, because for us, it wasn't about the money. It was about the gnocchi. Right. Is that a food tradition that she kept? Was that something that even in she your She kept a lot of traditions. She actually kept the Jewish ones as well. So really? the high holidays were an incredible time at our home, um, because the food was not the American Jewish food that I had ever had at my friends' houses mm. that I didn't really love, because it was rather insipid and a little dry. Yeah. It was her style of food done in a Jewish, in the traditional Jewish way, untraditionally. So everything was just delicious and juicy and flavorful. I mean, her brisket was insane. Everybody asked me for her brisket recipe and whatever it was, was just up to here. Listen, Thanksgiving was a turkey, a goose, and a duck every year. So she made- Stuffings to go with each. And gravies for each. Oh, my God. She was very happy the day that I became, like, mature enough in my cooking knowledge that I could help her. Because it was insane. Right. And I can't imagine even... making three birds. Oh, no, no, no. And the skill that it takes to complete... To One oven. Three completely... <laughs> One oven. I don't know that, how she kept it all hot. That's amazing. I have no idea how she did it. How big, were your, how big were your dinners, your family? Cause Not three, big, because we It was like five people. Family. Five yeah. people, three birds. Honestly, it was like seven. Oh, my God. Yeah, we weren't a big family. We, you know, we're two girls. We just, we didn't have a lot of family. You know, we didn't have pretty much any family here other than an uncle who still lives here, thank goodness, my mother's brother. Everybody else either lives in Argentina or Minnesota. Oh, my God. And some are in Israel. Oh, wow. That was really it. That's all I can remember is the food part of the holiday. Isn't it funny? I don't remember too much what was spoken because it was really get in the kitchen and help mom put out the food. Right. And that was everything. Even Noche Buena, even though we're Jewish and dad didn't allow us to have a Christmas tree, he would allow my mother to go get un pernil and to stuff it with garlic and roast it. Because the oh cooking God. was okay. Isn't that crazy? Right, no, that's fine. That was, that was okay. Uh, you know what I was curious about is, you, know, you talked about you being you know, one of the, really one of the first women, one of the first women down here to really establish the, the culinary scene. But, but then you did that... You started, uh, like, you beat Bobby Flay, right? Like yeah. in a, like in a, uh, an Iron, was that an, an Iron, iron Chef? chef yeah. So you beat Bobby Flay in an Iron Chef. Yep. You were really one of these first, like, really national faces on, like, what was... I was the first, I was one of the first people on Food Network. Yeah. I don't know if you even knew that. No, I did know that. Because most people weren't watching Food Network back then. When they started Food Network, they only had chefs. Then came the Rachel Rays and all the other people that weren't ever professional chefs. So they started out with the Michael Simons and Adon Sanchez's and Bobby Flay, who's still incredible today. Um, the Emeralds, um, I played the tiniest part, but still I was there. No, I think that that's, that's amazing. What was it like to be kind of among that group that's starting to create this, uh, this kind of, this uh, cult of chef, some of the celebrity chef, you know? I didn't like it. Really? I didn't like it because um, what they gave me was a position in a show called Melting Pot, Nuevo Latino. Mm. And so what did I have to do? I was in this little Latin box, mm. which I'm proud to be Latina. Don't get me wrong. The, the half of me that is Latina is very proud to be it. And, you know, it is my background and my culture. However, 
I'm more than that, especially as a chef. And when you talk food, it's hard for me to stay in the sweet little cute Latin box. And they asked me to tell the stories of my grandparents sitting around and how my grandmother would cook and, you know, the grandfather would play the guitar. I don't have that. Mm. We're Eastern European. First of all, I never met my grandfathers, either one of them. They passed away before I was even alive. My grandmothers, neither one of them cooked. Mm. My, my kosher grandmother from Minnesota made lemon squares and rugelach, but that's not what they wanted. Right. And so they asked me to <clears throat> fib and come up with stories, and I'm sorry. I'm not an actress, nor do I have a poker face, and I can't lie about my hand as much as I can lie about a story. Never been able to, and I have no filter. Mm. So, wasn't really my shtick. Right. You know, so I'd go in there and say, listen, I'm also Jewish. I also lived in France to perfect and hone my skills. I gotta be able to do this kind of food and elevate it just a little more. This is who I am. No. Bring out the grandparents. No. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't for you. That, that I just thing. didn't play the game. Right. And when I really get to now kind of step away and look back, I probably should have. Because maybe I could have flourished a little more and had a bigger career with TV or who knows what, right? Who knows where it could have taken me? But I wanted to be a chef's chef. All I've ever really wanted in my career was to be accepted by other chefs. Mm. And for other chefs to eat my food and say, God, this girl can cook. Right. You know? Yeah. And that, so little, but so much for me. That's all I've ever wanted. Right, to be part of uh, that, that community. That, that, commu- that yeah, little community, that fraternity. which is now a rather large one. Yeah. Now, luckily, sorority and fraternity, to me, it's all one. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, I just wanted to be good at what I was doing and what I loved. And it's funny because you've come to, to <clears throat> kind of define what your, not even what your style is, but there's, there's things that are just, they just exude your like your personality, your cooking. Like I remember everybody talked about those, these croquetas that you made at Senora Martinez, which is your restaurant in, in the design district here. And people just came, f- like, like if nothing else, they came for they came those. For like, that. that was, the, that was the, the lure yeah. that brought people in. I did a foie gras croqueta. Oh, my God. And I combined it with agar. I mean, these were, before anybody talked about molecular, right. these were insane. We yeah. would encase them, and it was almost like making a truffle. And literally, we would fry them, and if you didn't... They were done. Right. They were the hardest things we ever made. Right. But it was my love, you know. And now working on my husband's new bar, well, our new bar, with Julio Cabrera. Right. You have a new bar. It's going to be called... La Trova. La Trova. And La it's Trova. going to be in Little Havana. And it's going to be on Cayo Oh, yeah. my God. That's such, a, that's such like a coming home. That's such yeah. a, like a... It's so great. The most Miami feel. I've seen kind of renderings of it. Have you? Yeah. Well, oh, I saw good. it online. I just saw good. kind of the it's front beautiful. rendering. It's I want to go there already. Finish. <laughs> Can you build it already? I want to... Well, trust it? me. We're trying. <laughs> I know. Everything takes a little I bit know. long here. Yeah. Permitting and everything else. But now I have like paella croquetas, which I've been, I worked oh. on for like two weeks to get right. And I'm so excited. Oh, my God. There's so much work, them. but I'm so excited to bring them with a little shot of, of caldo de marisco. Oh, my God. Are you excited about that? Because uh, you, you had, you know, obviously two restaurants that were, uh, you know, best restaurants in the country ranked by Esquire at one point. Mm-hmm. And, and you haven't really had a, a restaurant with your name on it front and center. And nor is this going to be with my name on it. Okay. This is about the combination of a lot of really passionate people putting out something together. And that's where I'm finding more happiness these days. That's interesting. Yeah. This place where we are now, Sweet Liberty, which was named one of the best, uh, 50 best 
uh, bars in the world. Uh, number two 21. Years, number 21, second year in a row, and it moved up the rankings. It moved up the rankings, is, yeah. Is a, is a very similar thing. You and your husband and the late John LaMare. Yep. And now this place, Julio Cabrera is another guy that was like John LaMare in the sense that they create this kind of like, almost like a, a throwback. It's yeah, a it's a throwback experience where you're That's having right. a drink, and it's not just... You're drinking to get drunk. It's like a, it's an experience. Well, actually, they believe, they both equally believe in lower alcohol cocktails, Mm. which is great for somebody like me that's not much of a drinker, and um, flavor and texture and bringing people together. Mm. It's a big part of it. And the one thing about Julio, um, he's a cantinero. That's what he calls himself. Oh, like a... Cantinero de Cuba. And he takes people to Cuba... And he works in the school in Cuba to teach cantineros. So a cantinero, for those that don't know, is the old professional bartender. It's not just the drink. It's how you look. It's how you treat yourself. It's how you treat other people. It's about all-around hospitality. You look the part. You act the part. Mm-hmm. You know. And he's such a professional and just a beautiful guy all around. And, you, and you're enjoying that, that, that collaboration. That seems to, is, that, is that the new, the new phase where you are now? Kind of, this is where you it's are right now. right now. Mm-hmm. It excites my husband, which excites me. Mm-hmm. You know, it was always about what I wanted. Now it's a little more what he wants, which makes me really happy. And if I can help with the food, like you come and you have my cauliflower nachos or my burger here, you don't even know that I'm here, you know? And you're, and okay, you're, you're okay with that? You're okay with I not having... Because you went from have, literally having your name on the marquee. It was like, it was Mitchie's. It was me, yeah. 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 To, to I'm kind a of mom be- now. I'm Zach's mom. Oh, that's so funny. So I'm okay. As a matter of fact, I'm very happy that my name is like back there. I want my husband's name forward. All these other guys' names should be really in the front. And when you're surprised with a bite into a croqueta... Like we're going to actually make here pimento cheese croquetas starting in a week. Let's have it. You're going to say, wow, this is delicious. Mm. But not really think about how it's a Michelle Bernstein dining experience, right? right? It's just like, oh, my God, look what we found. Right. You know, instead of saying, well, this better be good because Michelle made it. I don't want that anymore. Mm. You know, I want people really gen- genuinely just surprised in their mouth. Oh, that's and cool. I love that. What yeah. I like is for people that like you, that I respect to just tell me how we're doing. But honestly, you know, and how we can be better. Because, man, I didn't listen before when I was young, Mm. in my late 20s when I was in Azul. You know, I thought that everything I I was putting out could be the best, was the best, I Mm. guess. But now looking back, it could have been so much better. And now I know to ask. Now I know to ask for help. Now I know that it can be better with people's help, whether it's, you know, verbal or a little, you know, teaching on the side, whatever it might be. Right. I guess in my life, it's I've become more humble, and because I've been kicked in the butt so many times, mm. you know, that now I've realized that I'm not that great. Oh. <laughs> and I can get better. But isn't that good, though, that you can always strive for something better, right? Right. Cool. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, cafecito and pastelitos again Thank soon. Thank you, querido. All right. Thanks. Hope you've got some coffee left because we've got more for you. You can watch videos of these chefs and read more about their lives at our website. Go to miamiherald.com forward slash ventanita. That's V-E-N-T-A-N-I-T-A. And while you're there, please consider subscribing to the Miami Herald for more of our James Beard award-winning food coverage. La Ventanita was produced by Matias Ochner and me at the Miami Herald. Julio Alvarez mixed the show. 
Music is by Haim Mazar. Special thanks to Michelle Bernstein, the staff at Sweet Liberty, and El Brazo Fuerte for the pastelitos. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing and leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. You can reach me directly at cfrias at miamiherald.com. I'm Carlos Frias. Thanks for listening.